2: We had a little bit of fun at the expense of Arsenal yesterday as they coughed up a two-goal lead against West Ham and may have just, what, coughed up ascendancy back to Man City in the EPL chase. Well, let's uh, find an educated view on this. Harry, welcome back to the
1: show. How you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. It sounds like it's a good job I missed out yesterday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Did, did, what, was it a choking-type performance? Um, I I think it was, yeah. I think um, it was a a really disappointing outcome in a game that Arsenal were cruising in up until around about the sort of half an hour mark. He looked so in control. They were playing some of the best football they've probably played this season. They scored two magnificent goals and at that point against the West Ham side, that are really low on confidence, that are down at the bottom of the table. You thought that that was three points in the bag, but just a couple of individual errors, I would say, allowed West Ham back into the game and I think perhaps the most worrying thing about Arsenal's performance yesterday was not that they conceded a couple of goals. I think with, without a couple of key defenders, we've seen that um, happen quite frequently of late, but it was that at 2-2, there was still a fair chunk of the game remaining, and it never felt like Arsenal had enough in the tank to go on and find that winner. I mean, they didn't even come close uh, to finding the winner, and that was the big disappointment for me. The problem is, in a title race like this, when you're being chased by a side like Manchester City, who are pretty much flawless in terms of their recent form and have been so close to perfection um, over the last few years, you feel like there's very little margin for error. And that means that every game has a huge amount riding on it. And this is a young Arsenal team with a young manager. And perhaps we're just starting to see signs of the inexperience that they have.
0: Starting to feel, starting to feel the pressure, the heat heat under their feet as they get closer to that title and Man City are Breathing down their necks, mate. What about Saka missing that penalty? Is he copping plenty of criticism over there?
1: Yeah, the, you tend to get that sort of, you know, that crowd of, of sort of people that hide behind uh, social media accounts, the keyboard warriors, we call them here uh, in the UK. And uh, obviously, they were out in full force after Bukayo Saka missed that penalty. But he's been he's been flawless from the spot um, since uh, missing that key penalty for England back in the Euros a couple of years ago, he bounced back really strongly for that. And there was no reason to doubt him uh, sort of in stepping up to take the penalty. I mean, we saw somebody as experienced as Mohamed Salah of Liverpool uh, sort of do exactly the same thing last week in terms of just getting his angles wrong and sending it wide of the the left-hand post. It happens. Um, I think Saka's had a magnificent season. You don't want to sort of kick him while he's down. I'm sure he'll bounce back. He's proven before that he can come back from difficult moments. And so that's just one of those unfortunate things on the day that Arsenal uh, just need to put behind them and Saka needs to put it behind him. He's a sensational player, no doubt about that. He's going to be uh, you
2: know, a huge part of this football club for a decade, if not longer. Uh, the, uh, as far as Arsenal's concerned, it seems to me over a number of years, this club's um, it gets talked about in terms of leadership more than than most about leaders on the field, whether it's, you know, the captain, you know, pulling birds as he's getting substituted, X, Y and Z. Um, you know, the demeanour of the manager Arteta, is he too much of a hothead? Uh, the leadership question, are they missing leaders on the pitch Calm capable of calming the nerves for, for some of these younger players?
1: I think one of the big leaders that's emerged this season has, has been Oleksandr Zinchenko. He's been there, done it with Manchester City in the past. He joined Arsenal this summer and he's been a real calming influence for the Gunners. he has been um, He's not always been perfect in terms of his performances, but in terms of the leadership, he brings a lot to the table. He wasn't there yesterday and I think that, that was felt. Um, I, I think the leadership thing is one of those narratives that has been yeah. sort of attached to Arsenal and, and Whatever happens, it's, it's going to be really difficult for them to shake that off. But this season, I don't think that's been a problem. I think what you've got now is you've got a more, I want to say, modern style of leadership within that team. So players that lead by example rather than players that sort of go around, shout at people, beat their chest in the way that uh, used to happen um, sort of years ago. So I think it's a change in leadership style. And I think you get a lot of traditionalists who look at that and go, well, there's no leadership. But actually it is there. Mikel Arteta brings it as well. Um, He is very animated on the touchline, but there's been times this season where his sort of energy is translated onto the pitch, and and that's helped Arsenal in terms of firing up the crowd and and creating an atmosphere that's allowed them to go on and win games. So I think overall the approach has worked this season. I think it's easy to kind of say that now that they've dropped a couple of points and, 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 you know, things are looking as though they're going to be quite tight between now and the end of the season. But... I think that's one of those things. It's a stigma attached to Arsenal that isn't going to go away really until they start winning trophies again.
0: May all this all this conversation about Arsenal um, choking and Man City coming along and taking the title off them is, doesn't it really just come down to that one game, Harry? Where between Arsenal and Manchester, and, and like Gary Neville said, you know, like if you if your if your coach come to you and said. You know, if you could decide the championship on one game and this is it, don't Arsenal just go out and win this game against Manchester and take the title?
1: Well, the interesting thing is that Arsenal don't even have to win that game. Uh, They just have to not lose it because they're the ones with the point advantage at the moment. And I know that people keep saying, you know, Manchester City are going to come and Manchester City have got games in hand. If Manchester City win their game in hand, they have one at the moment over Arsenal. They'll still be a point behind the Gunners. So what Arsenal need to do when they go to Manchester City next Wednesday, in my opinion, is simply avoid defeat. And then you just have to match Manchester City's results in terms of how many points you get on the board uh, between then and the end of the season. So it is advantage Arsenal in that sense. The problem is, is that the game is at the home of Manchester City, which makes it very difficult. And again, I think people are looking at and being caught up on the fact that Arsenal in recent years haven't been able to compete with City. This is a really different Arsenal team. And one thing I hope doesn't happen is I hope they don't buckle in terms of sort of going into that game being fearful because Arsenal need to go there and take the game to Manchester City. They're not a side that is set up to go away from home, defend deep and and absorb pressure. They're a team that needs to play on the front foot. And often teams don't take the game to Manchester City because they're fearful of what they'll do to them on the counterattack. So I think in a weird way, City's aura makes teams sit off them and, and makes teams approach games with with caution but when you do go at them they're vulnerable defensively as well they're brilliant going forward but defensively there are questions about manchester city as well so i'd like to see arsenal be brave go and do that but then after that the gunners have a couple of different difficult games newcastle away is still a very very tough fixture and even chelsea at the emirates stadium i know you know chelsea have had a dreadful season but against Arsenal, they'd love to stop Arsenal winning a title given that oh, London and, and I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if, you know, they, they'd get themselves right up for that one. So still plenty of football to be played, but that game at Manchester City on Wednesday will certainly have a, a big say in how, uh, or in where, I should say, the trophy ends up.
2: Is there a fear, though, if City play at 100%, there's not much Arsenal can do? I, uh, you know, I, And tell me if I'm wrong here, the first time they met this season, I thought, you know, Arsenal had good periods, but City looked at, at times a class above. Is that what you fear, that, or Arsenal fans fear, rather that if City get up to 100%, no one really can stop them?
1: Yeah, I think Manchester City are such a good side with so many talented players that I think on their day they could beat anybody in world football. Um, but there's so many factors that can sort of determine the outcome of a game. Uh, nowadays, you know, we're constantly talking about how bad the officials are, how bad the refereeing standard is, and that can impact games as well. So maybe you need a bit of luck there. Uh, Maybe you do need City to have a slightly off day. But equally, Arsenal on their day this season have been fantastic as well. Um, You know, the reason that they are top of the league is because over the course of the 31 or so games so far, they've been better than Manchester City. So I think they, they should have reason to believe that they can go there and compete. I think they can't afford to go there and just look at City and say, well, you know, if they have a great day, then there's, there's nothing we can do about it. Arsenal are in the position they're in on merit, and, and they deserve to be above Manchester City based on the games played so far. So they've got to take that belief into the game.
0: Hey Harry, just to, just tack left here, the, the Everton story which looks like it's it's going to happen, they're going to go down and of course the one with Chelsea Ooh. too, allowing the owner to come in and, and have a chat to the players which I think is a pretty average thing to do because you know the players, they, they're struggling, they don't need to be pressured by um, the new owners. Where, where do you think, uh, Chelsea's not going to play European football next year, do you think that's that's right and, and is this Everton's um, swan song in the premiership?
1: Well, Everton have been ever present in the premiership ever since its inception. So if they go down, that will be quite the story. Uh, They sort of panicked uh, and removed Frank Lampard. To be honest, I don't think Frank Lampard was ever good enough for that job in the first place. But they hoped that making a change and bringing Sean Dyche in as coach was going to give them a real uplift. And it hasn't, to be honest. We we call it the new manager bounce when a manager comes in and sort of really galvanizes the team but they haven't been able to do that with Sean Dyche. So it does look as though they're headed for the drop. And when it comes to Chelsea, I mean, I know you guys say that, you know, the owner coming into the room is, is sort of not a big thing, but in English football culture, that's something that you don't hear every day. And um, and it's it's made waves, that story today, because there's so much talk around Todd Bowley's ownership and, and people saying that, you know, maybe he's having too much of a say when he'd be better off appointing people that understand this particular sport better than he does and and people that have those expertise he clearly doesn't have them he's made some shocking decisions since taking charge of the club they spent 600 million pounds since he's come in and they're in the bottom half of the table so you know nobody trusts him at the moment and to have him in the dressing room as well i think kind of undermines frank lampard a little bit and just adds to the, the narrative that is going around at the moment which is This guy has purchased Chelsea Football Club as a bit of a play toy. doesn't know what he's doing, and and has way too much involvement. Roman Abramovich was the complete opposite. He had very little involvement on a sort of uh, base level, and and that seemed to work for Chelsea. He appointed top managers and trusted them with the reins of the club. Todd Bowley, though, he just seems too hands-on, and I think this story about him being in the changing room only adds to that feeling here in the UK.
2: He reminds me of a 13-year-old playing football manager who took the sugar daddy option and still mucking it up.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Exactly. And um, what I found really, really strange as well is sort of covering the Premier League as I do and working on sort of various platforms, you wouldn't believe the grief I've had from Chelsea fans for, for suggesting that Todd Bowley maybe doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, they seem to be so defensive <laughs> of him, which is is crazy to me because he's driven the club into the ground. He's purchased players for £100 million on individual players, players that have been signed up to eight-year contracts that have had zero impact. So I don't understand where all the defence comes from. I know there's a tribal thing and you, you want to look after your club and you want to back your club. But for me, that just the, the blind support for Todd Bowley, who's done a horrible job as far as I'm concerned, is really, really confusing. Harry,
2: thanks so much, mate. Really do appreciate your time. Enjoy the next week. It's a hugely exciting one ahead in the EPL. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Our pleasure. Uh, That game is uh, April 26th, so that will be the morning of April 27th, uh, Manchester City against uh, Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal play Southampton in a couple of days, don't they? Um, Of course, Bayern Munich is the next game for Man City in the Champions League. Uh, Arsenal have, as Harry implied, um, do have a string of tough games. They got Chelsea after Man City, and then Newcastle, which is not going to be easy as well. Hey, Kempy, a few ticks arrived in. Um, yeah. It is Iron Brew in Scotland, Kempy. But are you thinking of
0: Lucas aid? Yeah, hundred percent. It was Lucas aid. Yeah, and uh, you know, as a young fella running around up there, my first stint up there in England, I used to think it was the bee's knees. You know, the the drink you had before going out to play it gave you gave you wings. That's the that is the
2: original Red Bull. <laughs> Ah, uh, Lucas A. That brings back memories of, you know, being dusty on a Sunday morning 100%. as a student. <laughs> You're going to get a Lucas A. And Kimpi, if your owner walked into your changing room during your playing day, what would your reaction be? I would thought, it be something like this? <laughs> no. Not
0: quite as physical as that, Dad. But I've got to tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story if we've got two seconds. The owner did walk into our changing room. Alright? And we're playing uh, which club who's, who's I was at Castleford and we're playing we're, all right. we're playing Workington and if you know Workington yeah. Workington's like going in grey mouth in the middle of winter and it's snowing alright so, yeah. he, and we're at Castleford <laughs> and we're sitting second on the table in the premiership and of course Workington is sitting second last in the second division and we're playing a challenge cup game and none of the boys wanted to play because it was too cold He comes at half time we're losing And he comes up and he goes right. Half time. Yeah, we're losing, mate. And because no one was, it was too cold and wet there. No one wanted to play. It was a Wednesday night in Workington. You know he goes, right, boys. Tell you now, lads. I'll give you twenty five pounds each if you go out there and win this game. (laughs) And I started to laugh. I was thinking, mate, twenty five pounds ain't going to get us fish and chips in Workington. (laughs) <laughs> so, Twi-
2: he thought 25 quid 25 pounds
0: team. get out there and 25 <laughs> pounds I'll give you each 25 pounds and I just started, I started laughing I looked around it actually broke the ice mate we went out, went out and put 50 on him in the second half but it doesn't go for me owners walking into changing rooms doesn't go down too well it, it um, you know if the coach can't get you up then you've, and you need the owners to come in then you've got the wrong coach that simple.
2: Yeah. Well, the, I think they're on their fourth coach this year, this season. They really don't know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm guessing that owner only had about 400 quid in his in his skyrocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I mm-hmm. like <laughs> the field. Yeah. He's like 400 divided by three. Tw- we'll give him about 25 quid, lads.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's right. a good fun. you're f- you're a funny man, old Ed. Um but, oh, brilliant yeah, stuff now one of those stories that, that uh the owners come in. I've had a few of them come in, but um yeah, that one sticks to my
2: mind that one sticks in my mind. You are listening to Daniel and Kimby for Breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.